Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. This time, take my advice. I just finished listening to one of my favorite songs based on Psalm 3. Part of the song says, For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I love the songs and the lyrics are beautiful. The writer of the psalm talks about a situation in which he has numerous enemies and not only do they outnumber him, but they mock his God. They say God will not deliver him. But somehow David, who wrote this graphic psalm, rests assured that that assertion of those who wish to see his demise, that it is not true, that God will deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Psalm 3, verses 3 and 4. Read the psalm for yourself, where you will hear the terror that David speaks of and the utter confidence in God, backed up by God's rescuing him on other occasions. Oh, pardon me if I kill the essence of the psalm before you read it. But seriously, I understand that version of God. Then there is the historical and dramatic miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. There was and is and will never be any science that can suggest a way of escape for newly freed Hebrews who were running away from slavery, heading to a country God had promised their ancient ancestor Abraham hundreds of years before. The dilemma was that these thousands and thousands of people who were walking, they happened upon the Red Sea. No, no, I didn't say the Red Stream, I said the Red Sea. There was no ferry no boat, no ship, and no bridge. And the water was deep, so forget about them walking through the Red Sea. And as if they were not doomed sufficiently, the Egyptians were chasing them to capture them and bring them back to being slaves in Egypt. Of course, there was a near riot against the 80-year-old Moses who was appointed by God to lead them out of Egypt to the Promised Land. Did Moses, did God, did anyone factor the Red Sea in their journey? Probably not, because no one had a solution of how they were going to safely reach the other side. The people were just about ready to kill Moses, and this is what he had to say to them. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14. I wonder how many of those people bought into Moses' faith talk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Exodus 13 verses 15 and 16. Did you hear what God said? Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water. Let me repeat. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water. <laughs> what are you talking about, God? How can someone stretch their hand across water and make the flowing waters divide? 
Moses did just as God told him to do, and the waters divided, my friend, and thousands and thousands of Hebrews walked on dry land to the other side. And when they were all safely over the other side, and the Egyptians who had caught up with them entered the same path the people had walked on, the waters came back together, and all of the Egyptians in the chasing party drowned along with their horses. I just shared with you something that had never happened in history before then. But what really happened? It cannot be explained, but the God of Moses did something miraculous that day, something that humans could not have imagined and certainly could not be reproduced by any man. So listen to me. I want to say to you that it is impossible to understand God and to understand how God does some things. I wish those were my words, but listen to God himself. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. That is the truth. God does not think on our level, and God certainly does things that we cannot do and we cannot understand. Take, for example, the story of Lazarus. The man was sick and his family sent a message to Jesus inviting him to come to heal Lazarus. Jesus did not turn up until several days later and when he arrived, the grieving sisters told Jesus that you are late, very late, because not only is Lazarus dead, but he has been dead for one, not two, not three, four days and has been buried. That's how late you are, Jesus. Jesus was not perturbed. He tried to tell them that it is not over, but they could not even make sense of what he was saying. So Jesus went down to the grave and cried out, Lazarus, come forth. That is what really happened. Who does that? But Lazarus, the man who was dead and buried for four days, came walking out of the grave. Read John 11 for yourself. I could cite numerous other instances in the Bible where God did things that we cannot even begin to make sense of. Walking on water, speaking to a storm and the storm died down, speaking healing to a sick boy who was miles away from where Jesus was standing and the boy was healed. Do not, listen to me, do not try to understand God's ways. It will drive you crazy. That is why I want to tell you today that you will never be able to understand how a, a holy God would want to have relationship with unholy people like you and me and offer us salvation, something that transforms us instantly from sinner to saint. I don't understand it, and you won't be able to understand it either. Don't even try, but do not, and I repeat, do not let that prevent you from accepting God's offer of salvation. Take his word for it and turn your life over to Jesus. That is the greatest miracle ever, and you will be glad you took my advice.